This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, today for our teaching time, we are going to go over the epistle reading, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. But we're probably only going to get maybe through a few of the verses, not completely, all the way through verse 12, maybe. Okay, so we look at verse 1, and therefore, Paul, when Paul says, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Okay, so the first question we would have to ask about this is, why could Paul and his entourage endure it no more? What's going on there to where they can, I can't stand this. What's going on there? Does anybody remember from last week's sermon? <laughs> well, what's happening is, that Thessalonica has had a lot of rioting as a result of Paul and his team for three weeks, for three Sabbaths, teaching in the synagogues, and a number of them coming to faith. And then there's this persecution that's arisen. And so Paul and his team are sitting there going, my gosh, how are they doing? How are they doing under the weight of this persecution? Are they, are they holding on? Are they keeping on to the faith? And so they agree that Paul and Silas will stay in Athens, but they're going to send Timothy to Thessalonica to check on him. So why are there two reasons for them to send Timothy to Thessalonica? What do they hope to achieve by sending the youngest of their entourage the least experienced, possibly, to go back to Thessalonica into the teeth of this rioting and the violence to him, for him to check on the Thessalonians' faith. Why would they do that? Why would they send this guy instead of like maybe Silas going back? And Paul knew he couldn't go back because if he went back, they would probably kill him. So why did they send Timothy? They sent Timothy in this case because Paul has confidence in Timothy. He has the confidence in Timothy because he knows he has taught Timothy. And Paul uses Jesus' method of teaching and training in his relationship with Timothy. See, if we remember Jesus and his method... The first thing he did was he chose his 12 apostles. And he, according to the text, he sent them out to preach. But the first thing he did, according to Mark chapter 4, or after 3, Mark 3, when he chose them and he wanted them to be with him, he would spend time with them. And then he taught them. So we have Mark chapter 4, where all the parables that Mark records are there. And then he has the bleeding woman touch his garment and he heals her. 
And then he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. So he's taught them, then he has shown them, and then he sent them out to preach. And that's in Mark chapter 6. In this sequence, be with them and teach them, show them, and then send them. And we see the demonstration of this in Paul and his relationship with Timothy in Acts chapter 16. So what does he do? He finds Timothy. He's the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him along, and as they went through the cities. So Paul has introduced himself to him. They're going through the cities. Timothy is seeing Paul teach. He's watching this. He's soaking it in. Now then they go to Philippi where they get run out of town. And then they go to Thessalonica where they get run out of town. So Paul's demonstrating the power of their faith. And so then he's taught them. Paul has shown him. And now what's Paul doing? Paul is sending him. So Paul has followed Jesus's method of teaching. And this is generally a good way to teach anyway. The first thing you do is you tell them, then you show them, and then you let them do it themselves. And I know for a fact that this works because with my classes of students, I told them, I wrote it on the board and showed them how it works. And then I had them work the problems themselves. And it worked every time. It's amazing how Jesus' method really works. And so this is really cool. Jesus' method is proven true by Paul and then through the centuries. Now, so now Timothy is being sent. Timothy, according to Paul, is regarded as a fellow laborer. So he has risen to the level of where he can be a worker himself. And so he's being sent to Thessalonica to do three things. He's to establish their faith, encourage them in their faith, so that they can resist the temptation to give up because of the pressure from the Jews and the Greeks in Thessalonica. So, Establishing the faith. What does that mean? It means that he is making sure, Paul is making sure that their faith is solid and sound. The thing of it is, is that he wants to ensure that there's no such thing as a spurious conversion among them. What does that mean? Well, a spurious conversion is someone who is, makes the decision but can't live up to it. You see, there's the times where they make this profession of faith. And we see this kind of thing regularly when there's an evangelism rally. The evangelist gives his altar call. The people rush to the front. They sign a commitment card. They raise their hands and they pray the sinner's prayer. And then the next day, Maybe the excitement is worn off. And I remember this because I was witnessing to this guy one time, and it was a cold evening, so he invited me to sit on the bus he was driving, 
And so I told him the gospel, gave him the story, and he prayed the prayer. Then I saw him three weeks later, and he had no interest in talking about anything spiritual. So was that a spurious conversion? I don't know. I'm going to let God take care of that. But what we're looking at here are people who make the decision, so to speak, but then swear it off within hours or days or weeks or whatever. And we see this issue illustrated in bold, broad relief in the parable of the sower and the soils. If you look at that parable, what you will see is that only one of those soils has fruit to last. Which one is it? It's the one. Yeah, it's the one that had the seed sown on the good, healthy ground, in the good, healthy ground. None of those others were real conversions. So what we need to make sure of is that we are truly converted. There is none of this thing where you prayed the prayer after you signed in the card and raised in your hand and all that, because obviously that doesn't make you converted. What is conversion is when you take that faith into your heart and you adopt it and you make it your own, so to speak, and you make the commitment to live it. That's when there's a true conversion. It's not this emotional, yay, you know, in signing the commitment card and getting all excited and everything, where the next day you go out and you say the sky's bluer, the flowers are greener, or pinker, or whatever color they are, and oh, how wonderful all of this is. And then two days later, uh, and you've forgotten all about it. The true conversion comes like the fourth example in Jesus' parable, when you take the faith and you embrace it and you make it become a part of you, you make it become a part of who you are, it changes you, it makes you that new person in Christ. That is what Timothy was being sent to Thessalonica to prevent from happening, that all of those people were genuinely converted. Now then he says to encourage them. What's that mean? He means it goes in there and saying, hey, the Lord is with you. The Lord will stand by you. And yes, it looks bad now because there's rioting, people throwing rocks through windows and all other kinds of things like that. But you hang in there because God will be with you. He will hold your hand during the crisis and he will not let you stumble if you truly rely on him. And they're saying, okay, good. God is going to be with me. And so then the third part of that is that they should not be shaken. So if you make sure that they have a genuine conversion, they're not going to be like those second and third examples in Jesus's parable. They're not going to get choked out and they're not going to spring up quickly and then wither away when the heat comes. They're going to last and they're going to grow and they're going to produce fruit. They're going to produce fruit in their lives. And they will be genuinely converted and they will not be shaken. The little troubles and problems of this world will not cause them to give up on their faith. And that is a big deal. 
because how many times have all of us been tempted to want to chuck it in when things look they were like they were going south? How many times have we been willing to give up when the pressure was on, things weren't going the way we anticipated, life didn't seem to be unfolding the way we had anticipated or hoped, and then we're tempted to give up. But we don't do that. We're not shaken. If we are genuinely converted, we're not going to be shaken. Now, here's the, why this is important, is that Jesus told us in John chapter 16, in this world you will have what? Problems and persecution. And not only that, it's in Mark chapter 10 where he tells Peter, after Peter says, we've left everything to follow you. He says, don't worry, because there is no one who has left homes, fathers, whatever, for my sake and the gospels who will not be given much more along with persecution, but in the next world, eternal life. And so we can be sure that while we are Christian, if we are really trying to live a life that is sanctified, spirit-filled and spirit-led, and an example for Christ, we are going to be minimally made fun of. They're going to call us a Jesus freak. I'm saying, hey, I'm guilty. I'm a Jesus freak, and I don't mind it. Right. You just let it roll off. But then when the violence comes, which may be coming, we still can stand strong because we got Jesus keeping our back, right? He's standing alongside us. And so we will be able to not just, to, we'll be able to go through that persecution and come out on the other side stronger than before. Now, Timothy comes back and he gives this good report and Paul is overjoyed. He is thrilled. He's hearing the good things that are happening in Thessalonica. And he's encouraged by the fact that those people are standing strong in their faith. They're not giving up. They're doing exactly what Paul had been praying they would be able to do, which is in the middle of all of that persecution where there's rioting and all this and violence and people getting beat up and stuff. They're hanging in there and they're embracing their faith and they're getting stronger. And that's what Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapters 1 and 2, talking about how great they were, how proud he was of them. And so then Paul says, For what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake? before our God. So Paul's saying, hey, we can't thank and praise the Lord enough for what's happening among you, for what's happening with you in your faith. Now, at the end of this passage, verses 11, 12, and 13, Paul gives them a blessing and a benediction. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ Direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Paul's blessing him and saying, you guys, I'm asking the Lord to bless you so you can hang in there to the very end. Until Jesus calls you home, 
that you can remain strong. And so you have my blessing on that. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living.